Jen Harris. And this is Vanessa Arico, and welcome to another episode of Confessing Animals, a series of conversation fuck. That's okay. A series of conversations with writers navigating the writing life. Did I do it? Let's try it again. Let's do it again. This is Jen Harris. And this is Vanessa Arico. Welcome to another episode of Confessing Animals, a series of conversations with writers navigating the writing life. Boom. see what happens right yeah <clears throat> what door do we want to open for these plebeians to get in on our conversation that's what i asked you well i think just having the discussion of like the whole point to me is like if we're talking about confession as a form of like writing and rewriting the self telling our own mythology uh, repeating our own fucking stories you know like that gives them the space to think about the own way they write and rewrite and create themselves in their lives. You know what I mean? It's just like, this isn't just about us. This is about a notion of, like, what writing means. Like, we why we fucking writing? write. Yes. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the first time we've recorded in person. It's the first time we recorded in person. It's been months since we've even recorded. It's been we've months since we've never recorded seen... in person. You know, this is kind of never. a big moment. I know. That's why I'm just like, this is weird, but not. I just like, it's this is a new move. There's flesh. I mean, things <coughs> are getting real. Like, okay, this is really cool because the whole thing, the whole thing about like, um, like the simulacrum, the. The uh, breastfeeding room? Of like. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? No, like, um. Like representation, symbols, and signs, and like Boudrillard's whole theory. Oh, you said simulac, right? Simulacrum, simul- oh, simul- simulacrum, sim- sim- I think you pronounce it simulacrum. But, anyways, we went from representation mm-hmm. screens online to real life, right? right? Like, we kind of went backwards because usually people start in real life mm-hmm. and then move into the representation. But right. now, like, we've taken the representation of our video interactions, our screen time, and now we have. Put us in the real world. I know, and I feel, we have flesh. I feel weird. I know, I feel weird because it's like I have. I mean, I did that one performance this summer, but I like refused to perform. I'm just like you're all covered in germs. <laughs> I don't want to leave the house anymore. And now I'm like, oh, Vanessa and I are recording in person. It just, I yeah, it, I got to start there. We can talk about all this wildly intelligent shit that you want to do. You want to discuss? Here's what I think, though. Season four, based on this this conversation that you've outlined. I think season four needs to be a conversation of confession. Mm-hmm. Like the sorry, idea I'm of producing identity, like is one hundred percent true. Like whether you want to take it from 
the very beginning. I don't know if there's something earlier. I'm sure there's something earlier than organized religion. But like to me, when I think of confession, I think of Catholicism. I think of going to make your confession, confess your sin. What's the root of that? Even what is um, the root of what is the root of the confessional? This is actually what we're going to do on season four. Is just we're Google just going to Google things <laughs> and, then t- and then read them to you. Uh, uh, what is the root of the confessional? Dun, da, da, da. Um, yeah, I know it's a wooden casket on its side. Sixteenth um, century. Like, I mean, were cavemen confessing? You know what I mean? Like, do animals confess? Like, I I don't know, but like, we are animals. Humans are animals. But like, this is like a very Western man notion: confessing telling on yourself um well this says i mean it's it's a very uh yeah it's a very oppressive culture system right like the it looks like the saints had a habit of hearing confessionals so this whole notion is rooted in the in like martyrs um and people of great power be like drawing great attention and people want to share with someone they consider great. So also, like, we think about make confession when someone's arrested. Did they confess to the crime they committed, right? Like, no, that's even... fifth. Yeah, right? Deeper. But look, so, if we start with, like, this religious confessional thing and then bring it up to date with, like, reality television and then social media. Well, like, basically, young girls transform, like, this very negative, like, confession mm-hmm. into, like, this, like self-producing like identity because like when we think of confessional poets everyone thinks of like sylvia plath or like you know he's very diaristic of sylvia plath these days never once (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean i when i think of confessing and i think about reality tv and i know that i was there at the start of reality tv you know what i mean just watching reality bites is like oh yeah so mid-90s and even really before that at the start of mtv we our culture took this turn into what we know now has become the keeping up with the Kardashians culture, mm-hmm. right? And uh, what I don't understand is why do we all do we all feel so invisible? Like why why I'm do here, we have I'm a here. confessional culture? Like right. do we not feel like we're relevant? Is there no place for us? I mean, am I just talking about myself? But it's also interesting <laughs> because like as we're watching these shows, so like when MTV started, you're watching them live their lives like in the show, but then they have a confessional booth yeah. and they're narrating kind of like what we're seeing. So it's a way it's again It's like you to, get the projection of their opinion about their own experience. We're inside someone's head almost, right? It's like you're physically seeing them narrate like what's going on or like why they're doing it, but it's also like a way of like producing that plot or that script or that identity or rewriting and we all know that fucking reality television is fucking basically scripted it's well, not that's the thing. that production is real. narrated but but maybe that's the thing that's this is where it's confusing and difficult to figure out the line between reality and art for me because we're in a con- we're in a memoir style creative flow we, we both write about ourselves or the world around us in some way it's very literal you know and you know that reality TV is edited, you know? You mm-hmm. know that you know that it's clipped to bait and to create... I mean, I've, I've hung out with regular people. They're pretty fucking boring. Right. So you have to, like, almost manipulate the environment in order to get some shit to happen. But then, like, maybe that's why so many of us as podcasters are trying to... Like, we want to release the unedited version of everything so you can see that, like... Isn't that its own version of confessing? Like, when we released the... 
we have how many fucking videos? 30 some odd videos, 40 videos on YouTube that practically nobody has watched, by the way. Fuck all of you. Yeah. I worked so hard on those. Exactly. But also, like, I wanted that to be there so people could see us authentic- authentically. Like, these are the conversations we have. These are the areas in which we, like, don't know what the fuck we're talking about or we fail and learn or, like disaster strikes in the middle of recording and like you can truly see that it is a human endeavor but like it's weird because it's as if we want that but then we escape into things like The Bachelor. Well, this is the thing. People put so much onus on authenticity. Like, they want the real thing, but they don't, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they really fucking don't. You want something that is polished and familiar and serialized, and, like, you need the markers for you to, like, be well, able to... free the even... nipple as long as those titties are in my face for a good reason and not breastfeeding a child. Gross. Ugh. Right. But it's like, and I, and I started to think of this, like, in terms of Ashley. So, like, he's a real... Or songwriter. He was really homeless. He really hopped boxcars. Like, whatever his thing was, right? But, like, people are, like, afraid of him. Or, like, he's too real. He's too authentic. So, like, someone like a Shaky Graves, who's, like, a Hollywood kid, mm-hmm. has that persona. And then yeah. people love Shaky Graves. And they buy his story. And they're into this, right? Or, like, fucking Mumford & Sons. I'm never going to stop talking shit about Mumford & Sons. These, like, rich... Christian billionaires from some kind of like mega church put on like the American hobo Americana and then sell it back to us, right? Like that's not authentic, but everyone goes, Oh, that's authenticity, authenticity. Exactly. <laughs> stealing, right? It's right. fucking fuck you. Fuck Here's you. your identity. I'm gonna fucking steal it and put it at it's the fuck like on. When Target puts pr- the pride display at the be open aisle in June and then like they had a, like a celebrating uh the Latinx culture in like the next month, and I was like I've never fucking seen anything in Target that celebrates, like, a Spanish-speaking right. community or environment or, like, or Latin America at all. Like, what are you talking about? Right. It's the meme I just sent you where I was like, you know, like, workers, we're overworked. We need, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. then it's, like, regular company, no. And then it's, like, woke company, no. And it has, like, the fucking Hashtag rainbow. BLM, right? Yeah, and BLM. <laughs> right. It's like... Right. Well, that's the thing is we're all perpetuating the same bullshit. And I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm outside of it. I don't think we're outside of it. No, but of all course. I feel qualified to talk about this from is the perspective of like, maybe that's the thing about season four is that I want to talk to people who can go into this. People who have like, like when I talk to Eric Vigentic outside of workshop, he hasn't been on the podcast yet, right? Have we? Had yeah, Eric we've v? done Eric. Eric V. Yeah. God damn it! Sorry, Eric V. Um, the point of that is that he, talking to him, he's so deeply in his own mind in the same way that Andreas is and it's like some those people have the capacity for depth of thought that I don't think that I have like I'm not a philosopher I'm a stoner (laughs) like I can I can get to it at a certain level and then I'm like I don't know what you're talking about and I don't care right you know but there are people who think about this on a on a truly insidious level. Then there's subjects that I feel like I've gotten to that on, but I'm not sure. I wonder how much I've thought about confession or how much I'm going to think about it if we ask people to come at it from the angle of their own understanding. Right. Well, we're going to have to have Andreas back because, like, he's philosopher and theologian, right? Like, he, mm-hmm. if anyone, I want to talk to Andreas about... Same with Ashley, though. Confession. With, with my Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, my Ashley and the subject of confession. Yeah. We could be here for weeks. Well, okay, so we're talking about confessing animals, like why we're called confessing animals, like where this name came from. And I just want to start off with where I well, I drew the name from Michel Foucault, French philosopher. So in his book, The History of Sexuality, 
Foucault maintains that Western man has become a confessing animal, thus implying that man was not always such a creature. Um, and on a related point, Wittgenstein suggests that man is a ceremonial animal. Here, the suggestion is that human beings are, by their very nature, ritualistically inclined. So Foucault really focused on, like, a genealogy of the confessing animal, and I'm relating this to, like, uh, confessing as producing identity, right? Mm -hmm. So then it's, like, confessing as writing, as exercises in writing and rewriting the self. So I want to, the evolution of becoming a confessing animal and the evolution of becoming a writer. Like, to me, these are parallel paths that I am thinking about when it comes to this name, confessing animals, from the religious uh, connotation of confessing in the fucking booth to God or reality television to social media to whatever. What is it in our human nature that requires us to to unburden ourselves? Like, that's where, that's the primary... When you were like, let's call it confessing animals, I was like, yes. And it made all the sense in the world to me, but I did not have this level of insight into it. You know right. what I mean? But that's what I want to know. Like, why are we so willing uh, to tell, why are we so willing to give up all the details about ourselves? Yeah. And also, the diff- all the many ways that people have revealed themselves to me, like sober, drunk, naked, dressed, in public, private, like all of these... Um, did we spend so many years hiding that now people have, like, this over-urge to, like, overshare? You know what I mean? Because, like, we kind of... Is it, like, this repressed Protestant, like, you know... America is still like really weird about sexuality and about sex, and we sexualize all these little Disney kids, but and and then we like act like it's a bad thing that we're having. Like it's very confusing. Like yeah. our views on sex is very weird. The our repression is still very the weird. Did all that. Yeah. Well, and and the the combination of um, church and politics. It, like the thing is, is that people don't realize that less than 100 years ago like during mccarthyism during the american um house on uh, or what is it the american house on un fuck what was it the house on haunted hill no <laughs> <laughs> uh, the house on un-american activities committee so basically when they blacklisted all of these writers in the 50s and they were like they're communists which whether or not they were fuck you political freedom is political freedom that's the thing about the Constitution. It's like you're you're guaranteed the right uh, to religion. You're also guaranteed the right from religion. Mm-hmm. And w- during this time of extreme political scare, like people really leaned into their religion for a sense of purpose and safety. And that gave all of these uh, performers, a.k.a. these pastors, these religious leaders power that they never had before at least in this country we see the vatican obviously religion has power the inquisition obviously religion has power but we didn't have it here Mm -hmm. and so this whole notion of like we came here to escape religious tyranny and now we've recreated it right like but we've recreated it from every angle we've told everybody that they're right and that they can all blossom and so this this whole country has just become pockets of different versions of religion like well this is the religion of capitalism yeah. and if you work hard everybody succeeds well cap- <laughs> capitalism shelters uh, all of these other religious organizations like it benefits these religious organizations in that these powerful people can come up in a non-profit environment a tax-free environment where they are constantly aided with in, like unlimited funding and then they can affect change in like social manner because they have the financial power of visibility so like 
this whole notion of confession. Oh, sorry. This whole notion of confession, like, I don't know if we, if we, do we all want to be the first at something? Like, I think we just want to be acknowledged. It's like, I I think about when we carve so-and-so was here on a fucking bench or on a rock or anything, you know what I mean? Like, is it just because we are, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We die. We're not infinite. We're we're, fine. we're mortals. We're yeah, yeah. we're mortals, and so it's Speak like for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we are mere mortals. Um, but I don't fucking know what. Okay, so I, I kind of want to bring it back to like the Foucault thing because yeah. I want. I'm reading from my notes again, which I'm probably quoting from somebody else that I pulled from the internet. But so back to the genealogy thing. So genealogy right. is not to confirm what is known, but to open cracks within a configuration of the present so that life might be lived differently. And I really feel like that relates to like why we're writing, whether you're memoirist, diaristic, like poet, like whatever, like as we're all pulling from our lives, like, you know, as Leonard Cohen says, you know, the crack is where the light comes in, right? Like, so we're confessing maybe in order to, like, reconfigure something or right. to, like, figure something out. And, like, we're all doing, like, this extreme form of talk therapy. <laughs> well, I think the confession, the notion of confession comes uh, hand in hand <clears throat> with the expectation of forgiveness. Mm. Like, we we unburden ourselves of the things that we feel guilty about uh, in one way or another um, as if to purge. So, like, is there something in us innately that prevents us from holding on to certain things? I, I don't believe so because fucking serial killers go their whole goddamn life not mentioning it to anybody or mentioning it in a way that's almost like mentioning their heinous crimes. Are you a sociopath? Are you psycho if you mm-hmm. don't fucking confess? Like That's what I'm wondering because some people hold on to that shit their whole life. Some people can do like a terrible crime on purpose or on accident and never mention it again. And some people are up on the cell block like, I killed all these motherfuckers. Right. Like, but what like, is I that I can't hold person? anything in. Like, I got caught oh. stealing at Six Flags in junior high and they couldn't get <laughs> hold of my parents and so they called my sister because she was 11 years older and she came to pick me up. Yeah. And I told on myself the minute my parents got home, like, I can't lie. Like, I was like, look, I got caught stealing. Like, I could have never told my parents. My sister was like, this is your call if you're going to tell them, you know. But like, right. I tell on myself all the time, like, I would go outside and smoke a cigarette on my mailbox, and my dad's like, can you not at least try to fucking hide this? And I'm like, it's a phase, whatever, it'll pass. Like, right. like there's no notion of me that was ever wanting to hide. And, mm-hmm. like, I don't like to keep stuff inside. Like, I'm a verbal processor. Like, I, I tell on myself all the time. If you know me, like, I'm not going to fucking lie to you because, like, right. there isn't a point to lying well, I think me. I'm, I think I'm manipulative, but I'm not a great liar. Like, I, I know that I know how to operate in the world in a way that gets me the things that I need. And I think that that comes from a wide array of, like, that's humanity, but that's also, like, being poor, being homeless. Like, all those things that teach you. <clears throat> how to like force yourself on the world in that way um but also i don't have a filter for i don't i can't keep up with lying like yeah. that's I, it's almost too inconvenient for me right like i, I, I got like, so much oh, other shit going on i don't want to lie to you because then yeah. I, yeah because then i'm gonna have to keep i'm gonna have to remember the lie but and also, i don't like, have that kind of capacity i'm genuinely either. like interested in like why i do the things I do. Like, I made some really, really, really bad, fucked up, bizarre decisions growing up. And, like, why? So, like, I'm almost... I'm a researcher of my own fucking life. And some people don't want to go deep and look into, like, why. But I want to know why. Like, my worst thing... I have this one thing that I... that 
deeply eats away at me. It's mm-hmm. like this one thing that I'm true, and I've done some really embarrassing things. I know I've shamed my family. I've apologized to them Ugh, if daily. As if the American culture actually cares. Right. But it's just like, I want to know fucking why. Why? Despite my parents' best effort, despite... Like, it makes no sense for me to have made certain decisions, and I'm very curious about, like, what is wrong with me? Not that I think right. there's something wrong with me, but just, like, why? But we have that we have that mirror with each other, too, because we have a lot of very similar experiences, and it's like, well, if statistically, you, I have a lot of good excuses, statistically. Right. I have nothing to point to. And, that's why I'm an and asshole. That's the thing. Well, <laughs> but we talked about this when I got in today, because I was like, why the fuck can't I have nice things? Why can't I be nice to my girlfriend on a regular basis? Like, do I have some sort of defiance disorder? Like, And you were like, yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> just, like, this notion of, like, why can't I be what I idealize is the best version of myself because truly aren't I in control of all of my behavior right and if I'm in control of all of my behavior then does that mean I'm confessing on purpose but are we in control you know it goes back to like because do we have free will where does guilt come from Oh, I, I wasn't even raised Catholic, and I have the worst fucking guilt. I could, I'm, in my mind, it's I'm in a, my DNA because I come from <laughs> the Catholic Italian fucking family. But the, but, in I, me. I, but I I got I did my genealogy DNA gave my info to the feds, you know, and they told me that I have um, Jewish roots, which I was so grateful to find out because I've always identified with Judaism. I've been surrounded by Jews my whole life, except for the part where I was raised Southern Baptist Christian. So like. I got a lot of conflicting feelings because Judaism truly makes sense to me. Something about Judaism feels like home to me. So to learn that that's like ethnically in my DNA was, oh, such a fucking relief. Okay, now we can't be bank robbers because now they have your fucking DNA in their bank. I mean, how many fucking felonies have we already (laughs) (laughs) Let's be real. (laughs) I mean, if podcasting doesn't work out, we gotta figure something out. I just, I don't know, I don't know uh, what else I I would do other than the life I'm living right now, but I certainly don't think it's, I'm not gonna be a good criminal. I'm not gonna be a good criminal. I'm lazy like that. I'm too lazy too. And see, like, that's why I, I could never be like a good. Like hooker or something, because it's just like you got to fucking hustle, and I don't have the hustle. Nothing in me had the desire to be a stripper. I thought about that money for a long time, and I was just like, "Ooh, I'm not going to work that hard." And it's not that I don't have a work ethic; it's just a particular type of work ethic that you have to have to be a good sex worker. Just like a particular type of work ethic to be a good drug dealer. Well, the only way you make money, it's it's drugs and sex. Those are the only industries that fucking make money, whether it's legal or illegal right. like that's where the money is but right. it's just like I don't know how to thrive in either one of those industries well, what the fuck are we doing in this podcast oh, room? we should be no. figuring out how to be good drug dealers well I mean is <laughs> is there a job opening for like a 40 year old stripper I don't think so listen you find yourself a nice boy <laughs> <laughs> those are the only people who want 40 year old strippers oh. no um, that's not true I love 40 year old asses ugh lord give me more um Here's the thing. I want to believe that we are operating from a, from a confessional space because there's, I don't know, we each have our own notion of some sort of blank slate, you know, like we all have our own moral pulling in some way. I don't know that it matters where it comes from. I think that's the great argument, right? Like, are you a moral and just person because you're religious or are you a moral and just person because you just are, right. you know, because I know plenty of really wonderful people who are also atheists. Okay, so, so like, I this just popped in my head. Okay, the way that 
when you had tattoos or if you dressed a certain way yeah. or like if you listened to a certain music oh like, I remember the culture of you're never gonna have a job right. if my, you have oh, tattoos my dad called like, them my Kmart God. tattoos and I was never gonna get a job and I was like <laughs> I was working at IBM before I graduated college my fucking tattoos were just fine I love Papa Rigo's sick burns so oh my hard. god <laughs> Kmart he, tattoos that's what he called them you have a fucking portrait of Rimbo on you yeah, this was before Rimbo it was oh, this I told him this was fake stamp. and that it would rub off yeah. and he totally believed me for a couple of weeks <laughs> well I mean <laughs> but what's your tramp stamp gonna do to prevent you from working I'm not showing the interview person yeah. my ass right <laughs> yes. I don't want to be I a am here for the day. job <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best job. You'd probably get it then. Okay, but anyway, so these we used to have these signifiers, right? And it meant something. But now, man, I walk into these fucking coffee shops and they look like hipsters, but they're fucking like Jesus soldiers talking yeah. about shut down Planned Parenthood. So there's not oh, visual gosh. signifiers the way that it used to be, They've right? They've co-opted all our shit. Even these fucking anti-vaxxers. You heard me. If you're an anti-vaxxer, fuck yourself. I don't have any respect for you. Get your shit together. Like... These anti-vaxxers who are now, it's my body, my choice, but I'm not allowed to have an abortion. Fuck yourself. Like, it's I want so the whole world to hear it. The hypocrisy has reached some severe... Li- they've done more they to keep... They co-opted our fucking chance. Let the Philistines plagiarize. I tell you, that they co-opt the slogans because they can't fucking think of anything on their own because they have no self-identity. Haven't they done enough to my people? <laughs> mm. uh, okay, so g- let's get back to confessing. Um, why the fuck do we confess? I don't fucking know. But this this is where the name came from. Jen and I were like, we're doing this podcast. We spitballed some names. We were going to be called some, oh um, no scruples, and it was basically just going to be Jen and, and I we talking like, about no how one knows what scruples is. Nobody knows what scruples is, and I'm I'm glad we went with confessing animal because I think it can continue to expand as we talk to people. This no oh this is what the point I was going to make up about identity. It's like okay, so there's no visual cues anymore. I can't like oh. We, we both are goths, and so we're going to have something in common. That doesn't exist anymore. Right. So it's like, now we're, everyone does a fucking podcast. Like, I want to shoot myself. I'm so angry that, like, we have a podcast because everyone has a fucking podcast. And it's just like, but is this the only way now we can... We started our podcast in the in a fucking pandemic, though. That's Those losers starting their podcast now. That's because they they're, they're bored. Jumping on the train. Right. But, like, so do we use our voice now? Is confession a part of, like, we all are speaking now to, like find the others mm-hmm. to produce identity in a way because like now we can't produce identity visually and now we're producing identity uh, audibly ri- audibly now with all these fucking podcast shit I don't know it's like is this how we find our group now also are we all just speaking into the void definitely and nobody's listening nobody's listening I mean that's the that's the nobody great- cares no I mean seriously our downloads we're very insular. We have WWKC, this writing workshop, basically supports us. It's because, like, we all listen to each other. But, like, no one's listening to us outside of that. No one even watches our fucking videos. Like, we literally are talking to ourselves, which is fine, because Jen and I like to fucking hear ourselves talk. Right. Well, yeah, this is... But we're asking big questions, but the thing about this culture is... It's kind of... It's an identity culture, right? Like, everybody seemingly wants to know everything there is to know but only about a select group of people Mm -hmm. and what i truly don't understand as somebody who's worked on building a brand is like is there an actual way to just build a following based on what you're interested in and what you're passionate about you know like is there enough room in capitalism for plenty of people to make a living doing the thing that they really enjoy doing and like um 
I listen to this podcast called Mega, and I fucking love it. This is the church yeah, it's thing? Yeah, the improvised okay. mega church. And the, the, <laughs> the male um, narrator in this, uh, in this podcast, he's so obviously closeted, right? And he always, he claimed to have had a girlfriend for a very long time. Jen Hatmaker and she came on the podcast she's a real person that's her real name I think it's Hatmaker is it Hatmaker Haymaker Hatmaker is probably likely Um, anyway she's this like badass feminist who left the church seemingly left her marriage I haven't done a lot of research on her but what I know is that yeah Jen Hatmaker I know she's got a fuck ton of followers and that in this podcast she was she was burning down the patriarchy is what Mm -hmm. she was doing and, like, you know, we're all lifting each other up. Like, she's got way more followers than Mega has. And Mega has way more followers than us. But we're all in communication, like, trying to build this thing. But, like, are we healing each other? Are we listening? What's the fucking point on a bigger scale? What the fuck is the point in being a confessing animal or having the capacity for confession if that's all we do? And I don't like the language. The language of following, the language of likes... This, this whole social media culture, just semantically, I think is wrong. And the thing is, like, we're oversaturated. There's so much fucking content. I put out a 30-second podcast, and people can't even take 30 fucking seconds to listen to it. So it's like... I know, you've boiled it down to the absolute absolute. I know amount. that no one's fucking listening. I get stats every we, time I put out a podcast. But how so do it's we like, get people to listen? That's what I'm asking, like... Uh, if we we can't if we, because everything's so fucking siloed. People can't have seven hundred and sixty three subscriptions. Even when I put shit out for free, it doesn't fucking matter. And people like, I don't know. People are so wrapped up in their own thing, and I, and maybe that goes back to confession. Like we're only concerned about our own confession. I don't fucking know what it is. I don't know why some people have millions of followers, and I'm like, literally, this is fucking shit. Right. Like it's not good. Right. But social media also isn't a place for nuance. It's not a place for thinking. I'm sorry. Like it's it's a it's a very passive way to like ingest some shit. Right. And it's not for thinking. And well, does that mean that we are responsible for just making the art that we want to make so that the message is out there and then we can't care about the salute the results? Like, I just I don't fucking know. I know that I walk a fine line. Like I know that I don't have commercial appear, insufficiently commercial. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Like I get it. I don't have like some desire to be like wildly like rich and famous. Like I'm not a brand. I'm not like you know what I mean? But it's like but Listen, also I like I just wanna make like a 150k a year. That would make me feel like a billionaire. Right. To just be able to afford. Can you imagine going to the doctor and affording a car at the same time? I've never been able to do that in my adult life. It's like wild, I'm right? I'm almost 40. It's depressing. It's fucking de- and but the thing is like this whole notion of these followers feeds into like this really gross hierarchy and it's like there isn't room for everybody. Like there are the good stuff can't rise to the top. It used to be like so, be so good that they can't ignore you. Mm-hmm. The good shit can't rise to the top anymore because it is so held down. The democratization mm-hmm. of opening it up to everybody, the content has just weighed everything down. But people only like trauma culture. They like negative. It's like trolling and me and what I fucking love memes just like the next person. I send you five thousand memes a day, <laughs> but like also like. That's there has to be something. It's a light estimate. No. <laughs> but there has to be something more, right? And so this is what I think we're trying to figure out. Look, we're writers. We're talking to other writers. We are we're also talking to other artists. And we have had... Now we're having, like... There are award-winning 
impact having change making fucking people on this podcast I mean, they're going around and they're bettering the community and the world, like the region. It's getting bigger and bigger, right. and nobody fucking cares. I mean, I fucking care. You yeah. care, but the, I mean, what is the point in giving people access to every to uh, to each other if they don't invest? Like, right. I don't know. I don't know what to do about this dilemma, but I know it's a dilemma that every artist I know has. And it's also with contest culture, too. Like, as I submit my work, like, you have to pay all this money to submit to, like, some contest, and then someone's going to judge you, and then you're going to, like, maybe get your book published, right? It's like every society, every culture, no matter how big or small, like, chooses, like, these, like, few that we all want to, like, put on the pedestal, right? And, and, And we don't it's not spread out. Mm-hmm. Capitalism is not spread out. And even in, like, a small arts world, it's still the few at the top. It does not trickle down, right? right? So it's just, like... But also, like, a lot of fucking people who just, like, aren't making great fucking work are getting fucking rewarded. Like, I don't think everyone is a fucking artist. I don't think everyone just gets a fucking A for effort. Like, I mean, I agree with you on that point. Like, I don't think that... But that's where that's where I have to, I have to hold the possibility of of multiple things being right at the same time right like i i don't believe that everybody's an artist but i also don't ever want to tell anybody that their art is invalid so it's like oh no these but delicate- everyone should definitely express yourself and make art all you want but there's right. a difference between like this is something that i do versus this is something that i fucking am yeah. there we go that's very real Hey, speaking of things that I do, watch me pull my hair into a ponytail. Oh Look at this God. little baby ponytail. Your hair's growing so long. <laughs> um, and speaking of fucking what we do, uh, we're both working on fucking other projects. Yeah. Um, we know we've on? not been podcasting, but we're busy as we fuck doing break. other shit. We and so break. I'm not even that busy. I just don't have the emotional capacity for so many things that I used to. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I'm kind of busy, but like. What? Making a living? Right. Well, okay. Talk to me about some of the projects that you're doing. <clears throat> Fine. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to start up season four of the podcast. And uh, Write With Me is... Um, I offer a prompt a day on Patreon, and we're writing on it. And speaking of contest culture, um, I mean, I, I the tier on Patreon is $31 a month, and the it's a prompt a day. It's a dollar a day. And if I don't live stream that day for 15 minutes to prove that I've written, I owe everybody a refund for the whole month. So you send out a prompt. People can join you live because you write live on YouTube, right? I do. I don't write live at the same time every day, so they have to subscribe to the channel if they want to get an FYI of when I'm live. Right. Um, and it's a way to hold yourself accountable because I did a really cool yeah. uh runaway project with you where we wrote every day for it was a month right and that fucking was the best thing I've done like it's so much fun to push being held accountable and checking in every day Mm -hmm. like that I wrote every single day even through really difficult like Mm -hmm. I was traveling I had no internet like whatever it was you were in the middle of fucking nowhere yeah and you were like finding a wi-fi signal yeah like literally and 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 so this is like an extended version of that because you're doing it every day for 365 yeah I mean come hell or high water and like what the fuck I've had my car broken down I've been to a car accident this year I drove to Iowa we went out of town a couple of times we've been Ashley had a concussion like Oh, my God. What I'm realizing is how hard it... I knew, and I know, that it's hard to commit to your art. But when I am... When I know that there's money on the line every day, and that I have to write, oh, my God, it is a different level 
of pressure and stress. And I think it's the level of pressure and stress that I need to for like to push myself through a some sort right. of breakthrough. Because I'm I'm not tired of being a confessing animal, but I'm tired. I like I need something else to do with my voice. Mm-hmm. Like I'm bored. Mm-hmm. And I'm bored in a way that's like Maybe I'll go back to telling other people's stories like I did when I was a journalist for a while. Or maybe I'm just bored and done. Maybe I'm done with my trauma. Like, I'm almost 40, and I'm happy to be almost 40. And I'm happy for how fucking much I've been in therapy and all the meds and all the fucking hallucinogens and everything else. Like, I've worked so hard to be less of a fucked up person. But, like... I want to do something with the new version of myself. To be on the other side of trauma is fucking awesome. And I find myself in a very similar situation. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm on the other side of something now. And it's just like, now I'm into something new. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like I've completely reinvented myself and my style and the stuff that I've, like, been working on. Yeah. Especially over these past two years of pandemic and other projects that I'm working on. I do another little podcast I don't really I call it like an audio project but it's a podcast essentially you can listen to it on Spotify but it's called Tin Can Poetics and the first season was Dead Girl and I did it in segments and it's just a a one long poem called Dead Girl and um, now I'm working it was it's really fucking intense and I'm really proud of that work too and now I'm doing story idea where like each episode it's just like story idea one story idea two and it's like a collection of like these random thoughts there I'm like okay I got an idea for a story and I've jotted it down right Mm -hmm. instead of writing these fucking stories I'm just telling you my fucking story idea I listen I played that birth sponsorship poem or piece while uh, Ashley was making me dinner and it was which just loving someone else cooks for me you know but she was like, this is the most brilliant fucking idea. She's like, is she going to write this story? And I was like, no, I don't think so. I think she's just offering it up. And these these kind of audible prompts that you're giving people are fucking brilliant. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing. I'm also working on my first fucking, like, book book. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. 16,000 words down. And as a yeah. poet as sparse as I am, if anyone fucking knows my poems, yeah. everyone knows I'm pretty fucking concise. Wait, I do not write long What's form. the book about? <sighs> I know. I don't. Right. I know. Don't know yet. Fucking sixteen thousand words. Sixteen thousand it words. It's. Yeah. Fu- I'm. I'm so proud of this fucking work. Anyways, I'm sure I'll be sharing some of it um, with confessing animals because, like everything else, even if it's fiction, it's fucking about my life. Right. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Uh, God, I wrote down a quote the other day, which if I'm not gonna dig it out, but somebody said that all. Mm, all fiction was fantasized memoir. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like, huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just like, this is always about your life. It's always fucking you about can't, you. Everyone knows You that. can't write anything other than what you know, no matter how hard you try. So you have to totally make it up, which means you know imagination. Or this involves your life. That's why I can't read someone's memoir and then go back and read their fiction shit because you can always see the reflection and it drives me insane right. I'm like that's not no I know this happened in right. a and then time. I'm also mm-hmm. wanting to like inject things that I know about them into yeah. the story I'm like wait no 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 like it is a weird tricky lo- yeah it's tricky it's like you drink or you get high and then you drink you right. know but you can't drink and then get high yeah don't do that because then you're going to vomit you're definitely going to throw that's up basically do same. not do that <laughs> Read the fiction before the memoir. Jesus, that's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Okay, Um, so we're going to start talking to new guests about confessing, about confessing animals, about the writing life. Listen, the youngest person to ever have their work submitted or in in the permanent collection of the Whitney Museum 
is Peregrine Honig, and Peregrine is in Kansas City. And I mean, Peregrine texted me while we're recording. Peregrine, we're coming for you. I want to be on your podcast. Perfect. You're going to be on our podcast, Peregrine, and we're going to talk. I mean, if there's anybody who wants to talk about confession, I can guarantee it's Peregrine. Um, I can't wait to talk to her. We connected um, on Instagram briefly, and we were going to meet up for coffee, and it never fucking happened, and then COVID happened. So it's like, Peregrine, I've uh, met you in Birdies. I've met you in your store before. I bought a couple of um, really nice bras, but I've never officially met you. I know Jen knows you, and... um, I'm fucking great. stoked to have a conversation with you. We haven't booked her yet, but I know, no, like, she's on the podcast. FYI, you're coming on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. But we don't know who we're going to have on yet, but we do know that we're going to have people on. So stay tuned for this conversation. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, talk to you guys later, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Go team. Bye. <laughs>